series was entitled Quiet, Please, and it was a radio fantasy and horror program created by Willis Cooper, who was also known for creating the program Lights Out. The star of Quiet, Please was Ernest Chappelle. He did double duty as the lead actor and the announcer. The show began on June 8, 1947 on the Mutual Broadcasting System, and it ended its run on June 25, 1949 on ABC Radio. The series is considered by many radio critics to be among the most uniquely creative series in the history of radio. Willis Cooper had experience as a creator, a writer, and a director, as he had worked with John Houseman in writing scripts for the final season of the Mercury Theater on the Air also known as the Campbell Playhouse. And as I mentioned, he created a popular horror series, Lights Out, in 1934. Both series sought to chill the listeners through a completely immersing personal experience. Listeners were coaxed to shut off distracting outside events involving sound and light in order to fully concentrate on the unfolding story. In both series, the introduction set a slow, dark, and mysterious move. Let's listen to an example from both shows. Lights out, everybody. Ernest Chappelle was originally a newspaper man and an announcer. No acting credits at all, but his role in Quiet Please fit him perfectly. You see, his role was not action-oriented, but rather that of a dramatic storyteller, the man who spoke directly to the listener. It is as if Chappelle is having a conversation with the listener, and that method drew the listener into the story. Chappelle gives the listener the unfolding plot of the story. Most of the story plots involve flashbacks described by Chappelle's character, and the audience is involved in the story. Each week, the audience expected to hear Chappelle's narrative telling a story that could be that of the listener, but not quite real because they had a touch of the supernatural in them. Each show would end with a few seconds of silence followed by a bit of music from Caesar Frank's Symphony in D minor. Another reason that the series was so successful was that Cooper and Chappelle were close friends. Chappelle knew how Cooper worked and understood his characters that he was portraying, and in turn, Cooper was able to develop characters with the knowledge of the strength of Chappelle's acting ability. Quiet Please is a unique accomplishment in the art of radio drama. The experience is often intense, surrealistic, 
and in that sense it challenges the usual formula of entertainment of that era. The one thing that I personally have discovered over 30 years of working with old-time radio is that most of the recordings I have heard of Quiet Please have not been properly preserved. The audio quality of many of the surviving shows, at least the ones I've heard, are not good. That said, the one you're about to hear is much better than most. The episode that you're going to hear of Quiet Please was aired on February 13, 1949, and is entitled, appropriately, Valentine. Listen carefully, and I do believe you'll be quite surprised at the ending of the story. This is Alum Radio, a different kind of oldies program. My name is John Lovering, and I thank you for giving of your precious time to listen to this program and this podcast, for without you, what would be the sense of any of this? You are appreciated. And now, quiet, please. Quiet, please. Sangamon, 
And now, in early February, the ground is soft and damp with the melting snow. And the watery sun shines down on the eager young trees. And there's a promise of spring in the first February fall. And the frogs are stirring deep in the cold mud under the spongy earth. And the ghosts in the old graveyard smile at the first obscure signs of spring. I remember the mean little houses. The store and the post office. And the drafty houses where the people lived. And I remember the muddy road up from Vandalia. And the high-wheeled buggies mired down in the low places. And the long, flat roads across the prairie. Where the grass grew from horizon to horizon. And the groves of trees were small, genial islands in a sea of undulating green. I hear her voice in the nighttime, and it is a far, far sound, so I wake and hear it so many, many times. I have many bitter memories and a few happy ones. I wonder what the world would think of the memories that come most often to haunt me among the echoing corridors under the ancient oaks. A dream of battles, they think. I dream of a victory won and the acclaim of men. Do they think I've forgotten the long, sweet days of my young manhood? And the first almost forgotten love that once I knew and cherished? Do they think I have forgotten the grief, the loneliness, the despair, the first of my, oh, so many sorrows. Valentine still exists. It is still to be seen and touched. And if you ever look upon it, I hope you will remember me. For only I remember her. Remember me. And shed a tear, perhaps, for lost loveliness. I was gone away from her. They sent me away. And I was a little proud in my new clothes and with my parcel of books on the desk beside me. And the brave speeches I should make were fermenting in my mind and crowding out all thoughts. Even thoughts of her. A boy of 25 sitting in the General Assembly, speaking gravely of laws and the affairs of the people. And not remembering my own. And back at home, a girl, long for an absent lover, remembering promises, and waiting and waiting and waiting. In the store of a dark January morning... I haven't had any word from him for ever so long, but he's so busy. And they take so much of his time, you know. Maybe there'll be a letter tomorrow. Jack Armstrong had a letter from him last week, Annie. He wasn't too busy to write to Jack. Oh. Well, the Armstrongs are his oldest friends, you know. Sure seems strange. He don't write to you. He's busy. A lot of pretty girls down there in Van Daly. I hear tell. But never a girl in Van Daly to make me turn my solemn head. I was full of the thrill of helping to make the laws that my people were to live by. I was fascinated by the strutting politicians in their tall hats, 
And I made great argument with him in the long tavern nights. And I put off the letters till tomorrow. And tomorrow and tomorrow. I expect a letter any day now. Or maybe he'll be coming home again soon. Because you'll be looking around a little, Annie, for yourself. Maybe he might have given you the mitt. Oh, no, Aunt Hannah. He'd never do that to me. Well, I sure hope he ain't, Annie. You just keep up your spirits and a day will come. A day will come, I always say. Have you wrote him a letter? Why, I write him nearly every day. I'll be hearing from him any day. Just like you said. Tomorrow I'll write, I said. Tomorrow. And I sat in my lonely room. And I remembered the hillside in the summertime. And the haze of the heat lying heavy on the low hills beyond the curves of the Sangamon. I remembered a hand in mine as we sat on the hillside above the town. And the homesick song of the cicadas in the orchard. And the reluctant westering sun. I remembered what I had said to her on that long summer afternoon. And alone in my mean little room, I wept to remember. But I did not write. And today, after all the years, I weep again, remembering. He'll be coming back. He'll be coming back for his birthday. Won't he? Why, the session's over now, and he'll be coming back from Vandalia on a tall horse, and there isn't a thing that'll hold him back from me. I know he'll be back home for his birthday. declare this general assembly adjourned. And I took horse for home. And now my heart was heavy with doubt. For I remembered my long silence. And my mind now wrestled with darkest premonitions. What would my homecoming be after those long months of silence? Yes, I loved her. Must you ask? Can you remember back to the days when you were 25? Can you remember what little thing can make a lover's reuniting or break it? Can you remember the little tenderness a recreant lover might bring to his dear one? The small thoughtfulness, the simple, humble thing that says, I have not forgotten. And that brings the happy smile that banishes doubt and wipes away the memory of unwritten words and... I remembered. I remembered the pleasant saint, the patron of all of us who love. I remembered paper hearts and posies of verse and ribbons and lace. And in the pouring rain, I lifted up my head and said, I thank you, St. Valentine. And the morning came and I was home and my horse was tied up at the hitching post. 
And I strode into the store all muddy and triumphant. Well, Abe! <laughs> Hi there, Abe! Hello, Jack. We thought you were never coming back. It took me an almighty long time to make it, but I got here. How are you? I'm finer than frogs there, Abe. <laughs> you look as if you'd grown down there in Van Daly. Oh, I always looked as if I'd grown, don't I? Doggone it. We expected you'd be wearing a high silk hat. Why, not me. Say, have you seen Anne this morning, officer? Uh, not since yesterday. No? How is she? Kind of peaky, Abe. Is she sick? No. Just on account of you not writing any letters to her. I'm sorry about that. You better be. Uh, how's everything around home, Arthur? Mm, miss you. I miss you all. Uh, how's business? Well, we get by. You had your breakfast yet? No, I just got here. I can get breakfast later. Uh, look... Jack, I want something. If you don't see for it, ask for it. Well, uh... uh how's it like down there in the city, anyway? Lots of people, huh? Hundreds. Uh, uh, say, what I want... Uh, oh, sure. Uh, a lot of women? Mm-hmm. Sure like to hear about Van Daly. I've never been out of this place since I come here. Well, I'll tell you about it one of these evenings, Jack. Uh, what I wanted... Sure I want... want to hear about it. <laughs> now, what was it you wanted all of a sudden? Well, uh... Oh, she'll just bust. Oh! Eh? Oh, 
I think it is very much the same today as it was then. In the time when I came to her empty-handed after a long, empty month. And when she came to the place, she turned and she held out her arms. I knew it was you following me. I knew it, and I wouldn't turn and look because I wanted to see you first up here on the hillside. And Madam President. 
I'd, I'd lay the riches of all the world at your feet, Anne. But it didn't bring me a valentine. What can I do? What? I'm so sorry. I love you. Valentine or no valentine, dearest. Always and always and always. And always. And we'll always be together. Never be apart from each other again. Never. Never, Anne. Oh, hold me. I'm so cold suddenly. Not just a cloud over the tunnel. Hold me. Always hold me. Always. I know it. You'll be a great, great man, darling. With you beside me, I will. But if I die... Don't say that. Kiss me again. Then we sat for a long, long time in the sudden chill of the afternoon. And we were so in love, Dan and I... And we spoke no word for the longest time. Only sat there and dreamed of the future. The rosy future. And nothing but happiness. 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 And we'll be married as soon as you finish school. Nobody will ever be as happy as we'll be. And... I die. No. No, don't say that. If I die, will you go on the way we have gone together? Oh, you mustn't. You will, won't you? For me. Anne. For me. Say yes. You're not going to die. <laughs> but of course not. I was just teasing you. Don't. I love you so. And I'll love you wherever you go. In the little towns, in the big towns. You'll be a congressman. And you'll love me. I'll be president and I'll love you. And this isn't just Valentine talk. Ben. I'm sorry, dear. Wait. You asked if it's just Valentine talk. You remember last summer when we sat up here together? So many times. Well, a very special time, Anne. I, I remember. It was a hot, hot day. And the heat haze was on the hills. And you sang to me. And you remember the stone, Anne? Stone. I wonder... Wait, wait. I know where it is. I put it in the crotch of that old apple tree. Right there. I get it. That's your valentine, Anne. Remember? I remember. I found it. Look. Way last summer. Here's your Valentine, Anne, darling. I remember what you carved up. Let's read it together, shall we? And always remember. On, On the, the spot, spot. In the sailing of the 
On July 4th, 1833. And Anne Rutledge. And Abraham Lincoln. Were the betrothed. Broadcasting Company.